Hello and welcome to the Profitable Practice Podcast with me, Andrea Maxim, naturopathic doctor turned healthpreneur. And every week I'm bringing you no nonsense, no BS, actionable strategies to create a practice that is not only profitable, but fully sustainable by you. If you're an action taker like me and want to create a practice that is profitable, then you've come to the right place. Hello, everyone. This is Andrea Maxim with the Profitable Practice Podcast, and we have an amazing show for you today. And this is specific to those people that felt that in order to start their business, they had to write a business plan. And I can tell you that our guest, James Burgess, who is the virtual CEO of Focus 31 um, will tell you that basically writing a business plan is not as hard as it has to be and to stop sort of what you're doing now and implement his plan. Now, before we continue, I want to let you know that this podcast episode is sponsored by my brand new Done For You program. So if you go to maximizedbusiness.ca forward slash seven, the number seven day detox program, you will see what I've created with you in mind. So what this is going to do is it's going to give you a key program that you can offer with literally every single patient that walks in your door, and it's guaranteed to pay for itself in one patient. So definitely go to maximizedbusiness.ca forward slash the number seven day detox program and check it out there. I know you're going to love it. But without further ado, let's get started with James. He's going to walk us through his five secrets to business planning um, and of course all kinds of other wonderful nuggets. Hi, James. Hi, Andrea. How are you today? Good. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. Wonderful to be with you and and with your audience. I know. And I have known James for how long have we known each other now? A couple of years, I would say. Oh, I would think at least that. Yep. We shared a stage together. We met um, with, again, the publisher, Black Card Books. And I knew as soon as I saw James walk through his, I like to call it his chaos theory. That's what his book is called, his chaos. I was just like, oh my goodness, this guy has just changed my world when it comes to actually financially planning out what I want to accomplish in my business. So I can't wait to hear what you've got to tell us. (laughs) Delighted to be here to share everything I can in the time that we have. (laughs) So why don't we get started? And um, the first question that I kind of wanted to ask was I was kind of perusing through your website and I was kind of alarmed by the um, percentages of businesses that fail in the first three years. Do you care to comment on that? Well, I mean, I I think uh, as those of us who are small business owners and and I will, you know, uh, be prepared to... Uh, start even by getting your audience to, you know, if they, if they were in front of me, I would, I would ask them to raise their hands and ask them, are you holistic, uh, naturopathic doctors or are you business owners? And the majority of them I know would raise their hands saying, well, I'm, I'm a naturopath. I'm, I'm a holistic doctor. I'm a, I'm a health practitioner. Uh, and that would be the first mistake. Because as soon as you label yourself other than a business owner, you will invariably cease to do all the things that business owners. Business owner is just a phrase we attach to people who own a business. And we know with that uh, label that there are uh, so many different hats we have to wear to be successful. And when I meet with uh, people in the creative 
industries, people in the, uh, in the medical professional uh, industries. They all tend to think of themselves as a specialist in their area. And that limits their ability to grow their business because they don't see themselves as a business owner first, simply specializing in their particular field. I'm a consultant. I'm a management consultant. I'm a business owner first and foremost, specializing in enabling business owners from startup to $10 million in revenue to achieve their dreams and aspirations. But first, a business owner, because with that, I understand I've got a ton of hats. Excuse me, a ton of hats I have to wear and not just be a consultant. So there's the first powerful point to, to, to consider. Absolutely. And, and it's sort of like even when I'm speaking to other naturopathic doctors, they think just because they have letters behind their name that automatically, you know, we've hit gold. It just doesn't work that way. We have to really put our priorities straight when it comes to what it is that we want. And I'm sure with your coaching clients, even asking them, what is it that you want your business to do for you is a very tough question to answer. Absolutely. In fact, um, you, know, you, you mentioned at the outset that uh, you, know, you were encouraging everybody to stop doing whatever planning they are doing. And, and I'd like to suggest to you that that's really, really, really easy to ask them to do because the majority of them have never even started. Uh, but I'll come back to that point in just a second because it is important. Uh, you asked the question, what are the statistics? And, and the statistics are for small business as posted uh, uh, by Stats Canada uh, for the period uh, 2002 to 2008 that each year over 100,000 new businesses were started. I mean, that sounds like an incredibly robust in, uh, uh, economic environment. Uh, and while 2002 to 2008 was pre-recession, the reality was there was no way that there was, in fact, 100,000 businesses being added to the Canadian economy every year. What happened is that, in fact, uh, within the first three years, uh, within the first year, 15% of those no business, new businesses have failed. Within the second year, 35% of them had failed. And within the third year, over 50% had failed. And so this idea, you know, everybody throws around the statistic, yes, you have to be aware that within three years, 50% of businesses fail. Well, the reality is it's absolutely true. And, and we all have to understand that because if we want to be the ones that survive, we've got to be doing it better differently than anybody else does. And in fact, um, uh, in, in that period of time, the net number of new businesses actually added to the Canadian economy was only 9,000 per year. 100,000 open, but net new, 9,000 from all of, the, uh, all of the demise of the small businesses from all the prior years. Then just the natural winding up and ending of businesses that occur. But what a eye-opener when you think about that. If you're one of those 100,000 uh, this year that's opening up or opened last year, the year after that, this is, you know, I think, I won't suggest for a second that being a medical practitioner is a license to print money, but it gives you an advantage over others, but you still have to use those tools and that, uh, and that um, education as a small business owner to grow the business to where you, in fact, want to be. And I was actually just listening to um, a good friend of mine, Lori Kennedy, who uh, does a lot of business coaching in Toronto, and she very emphatically said, as a healthcare practitioner, you know what you need to know in order to make an impact on your patients. So stop learning how to do what you already know how to do. Right. What you need to do is start learning how to run the business. And that's exactly what we're talking about here. It is, is exactly. Yeah. Yep. 
No, now, oh, very, go ahead. True. very, no, very it, true. It's 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 dead on. Um, you know, in, invariably, uh, we became small business owners uh, for one of three reasons. Uh, we wanted the freedom. I find, you know, if I talk to a room of 200 people, uh, 95% of them say, "Yep, I'm an entrepreneur because I because I wanted the freedom." Uh, two, uh, the, you know, the uh, it's a repeat because uh, the freedom comes from not having a boss. So everybody says, "Yep, yep, didn't want a boss." Uh, the next one goes a little bit, you know, not quite the same response, but we tend not to want to measure ourselves uh, as we would in the corporate environment, be held accountable to do things uh, against uh, certain benchmarks of performance. Uh, and yet the very reason, you know, those very three reasons that we choose to be business owners, to have the freedom, not have a boss, and not to be measured are the very reasons we tend to fail over those first three years. You have to have accountability. You can't do what you want, when you want, how you want, measuring nothing to, find, to understand whether what you're doing is having any effect on where you actually want to get to. Now, I said that very, very quickly, but it, you, know, you can't do what you want, when you want, how you want, how, based on how you're feeling in any given day. How do you push through that? Well, typically it's because of a boss. You need to be your own boss. You have to be accountable, but to be accountable, you have to be focused on where you're getting to and how you propose to get there and keep pushing the limits on your abilities to, to carry the business uh, to the hopes and dreams that you have for it. So let's kind of tie into the whole point of the podcast right there because I think that's right. a perfect starting point to, you know, everyone will ask me, well, did you create a business plan when you started your practice? Is that how you um, grew so quickly and became so successful with your practice? And I, I always say no, like we did kind of a mock business plan um, while I was at the college. I honestly haven't looked at it since. Um, but mind you, if I had known your strategy, I think I would have done even better and will continue to do better now that I've implemented it. But describe um, to everyone that's listening why a typical business plan is a waste of potentially our time and, of course, more importantly, our money. Well, great, great question. And I hope it's not a waste of your money because the worst – I'll start right there. The worst thing you can actually do is pay somebody to write a business plan for you. The whole point of having a plan, any business plan, any, any plan at all, whether it be your financial plan, a family budget, is you have to have ownership and an intention to use it. Otherwise, it's simply a waste of time. And paying somebody to write your business plan for you is absolutely unequivocally the biggest waste of time because they'll tell you in their mind what you should do for your business. You'll have no ownership for it because it's not yours, not your way of thinking. And as a result, it will, yes, end up in the credenza and may cost you anywhere from $5,000 to $25,000. Yikes. Of course, it only costs $3,000 to work with me. And I make it incredibly easy and fast because the other reason we don't business plan is everybody's heard the horror stories that to write a business plan, it has to be 25 pages long mm -hmm. or even five pages long. I actually met a business owner many years ago, and he said, James, just like you did, I wish I knew your system when I started my practice because I started a business plan, I worked at it for five months, it was somewhere between 15 and 25 pages long, I never completed it because the business had already started moving on. And so the plan was irrelevant because it was taking too long to create it. Anything that takes too long can't be relevant to a business owner. Business owners need uh, everything to be fast and easy and, and, um, and entirely practical uh, so that it, it, it adds value to the business. And 
so what I've done is, is, is introduced a, a system of planning that is simply one page uh, of content. That's it. And yet in that one page, it is so concise in, in the means of which I either work with, with the client directly or through the video series, the home study program, we have drawing out the absolute necessary information that it operationalizes the plan. It makes it real and puts benchmarks for accomplishment and action plans at the core to, uh, on, on what is the critical work that has to be completed. Now, let's clarify before we continue, because now sure. I'm thinking in my head, okay, what if I need a business plan for a bank loan? What if I need a business plan for a grant? It sounds to me like this is not the type of business plan that these institutions are looking for. What we're talking about today is a business plan for the business owner to make their business work. Yes and no. Okay. Yes, this is principally a planning process for the business to to grow on and to grow from. Uh, year after year after year, investing as little as 10. I mean, if you could double, triple, or quadruple your revenues over the next year, two years, three years, would you invest 10 minutes a week to double, triple, or quadruple your revenues to become a franchise owner rather than a, a single business owner? For me, that was a, it's a no-brainer. Ten minutes, absolutely, and that's what it takes, what it costs in time uh, to, to apply my planning process. But the banks, I'm a former banker, so I know the questions bankers ask. And by the way, none of them really care about what plan you produce for them because they don't look at it. They never actually evaluate what the plan says. It's just a way to put a tick mark opposite one of the three C's that you have to qualify for to get a loan, and that is character, cash flow, and collateral. Mm -hmm. And if they figure if you're prepared to go pay an accountant $10,000 and get a 50-page document created, well, you just got a nice big tick mark under character. I've replaced it with stupidity because it doesn't do anything for you, as I've already said. So actually, my planning, I have an 80% response, a positive response rate from banks where I take the core plan, the business owner is using it day in and day out, and that gets the banker excited. And then we add a couple of additional pages to, to fill out the additional bits of information that they'd like to hear. Well, that's uh, but, good to know. Well, absolutely. But will it get you uh, venture capital? No. Um, will it get you, you know, uh, um, uh, if you are become unemployed and you go and work with uh, uh, your, your local uh, business development center and they want you to do it. They, they want a 25-page plan because they're government people. They're part of the reason business planning is broken. Do their plan and then come back and see me and, and let's get the plan done properly so you'll operationalize it because that's at the end of the day is what's most critical. So let's start with the very first element that we need to create our business plan with, and I think that's the vision statement. Now, me personally, I could never figure out what the difference is between a vision statement and a mission statement, so I hope you're going to help clarify that for us. Yeah, so what I'm going to ask your listeners to do, because everybody that is listening has got a mindset about what a business plan is and likely already forgotten everything they already thought that they knew about business planning. And, and so I want them just to, you know, just get rid of it. Delete, delete the files in the memory completely, uh, because what I'm going to get, share tonight, is, is, uh, today as quickly as I can, is um, the, uh, the absolute best methodology for taking your business to where you want to get to. And yes, you're absolutely right. 
Uh, the top of the house is the vision statement, and then there's the mission statement, and they are distinctly different. So the first secret to, to successful business planning is to have a vision statement. Uh, and this is, you know, typically when people think of a vision statement, they think of things about stewardship and, and uh, caring for the community and all that. Wonderfully important stuff, but crap when it comes to your business. This is not something that you're going to put out in your lobby for your clients to read and feel oh warm and fuzzy. Feel free to do that too. Make your clients feel warm and fuzzy. But this is a document to push you to the, to the absolute limits of your ability to carry you into the future that you want to achieve. And the really cool thing about the way I do the vision statement, I'll have 200 people in a room and I can get 80% of them into a dream state that they will experience the vision of their business in real time. We will time travel out into their future. And it's absolutely critical to get into that dream state because if you ask, if I ask you what do you want to achieve three years from now, you're going to give me a conscious answer. And if you know it consciously, that's not the answer. You have to tap into the unconscious mind where the true answers lie about how, who you want to be and how much you want to achieve. And I do that by getting an entire audience into a dream state to go live into their three-year future. And so the, the key to the vision statement is it's simply a, a very simple paragraph answering five questions. How much, by when, doing what, for whom, uh, in what geographical territory? How much, by when, doing what, for whom, and what geographical territory? And you know, those are you know, somewhat complicated questions. And in the interest of keeping this easy and simple, as I, as I suggest that it always will be, uh, I'll give you the answers. As I've already alluded to, the, the, uh, uh, the by when is simply three years from now. Five-year strategic plans are done. Okay. Nobody should be doing five-year strategic plans. You can't, can, especially for small business owners, the vision statement has to be something that you feel not just in your mind but in your heart and in your soul. You've got to be emotionally connected to that outcome. Five years from now, based on what is it, we're 2016, that's 2021. I can't imagine what 2021 is going to be like at the pace of change that we're experiencing uh, uh, in this day and age, in this global economy. But we need time to shift our business, so it can't be just a one-year vision either. That's not a vision. We need time to shift, to, to change our product lineup, to change our marketing, to change whatever has to change. And so three years is proven to be a best practice uh, 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 framework for the vision statement. So the buy-when is three years. Don't just you know, don't break my system. Just do it the way I tell you to do it. So within, so you start off your paragraph within the next three years. Boom. Okay, that how much is the revenue you want to earn in that third year? Not the accumulation over three years, but in that third year. So it's uh, within the next three years, grow, Focus 31, my company name, let's say. Just drop your name in there. Focus 31 into a $3,475,000 um, and stop there. Now, I got that from my unconscious mind. I, I, I get myself into a dream state, and I can see that number three years from now. Uh, and I can do that with any of your, your, your listeners that want to do that. I can offer a free consultation at the end of this. Perfect. So that number, that, that revenue is embedded deep, deep inside your unconscious mind. We have to work to get it out. 
So the how much, by when. The doing what is simply, you know, relatively straightforward, likely for your listeners being, uh, being uh, health practitioners. Um, but uh, even as health practitioners, there are ways to expand the business out and bring new services in. And so it's not the, you know, the, the, the doing what is not what you do today, but rather what do you want to your business to be doing? What do you want your practice to be doing three years from now? Okay. The for whom is the perfect customers you want to be serving three years from now. Again, recognizing that right now you're probably serving customers or patients, excuse me, who may not, you know, fulfill your optimum goals uh, for revenue generation. Um, and I don't know your, you know, the, the, the business well enough, uh, but there may be, you know, there may be a lot of insurance that you don't want to do. You'd rather be selling high-end, uh, non-insured uh, services perhaps that where you can really uh, uh, you know, make a significant amount of revenue. And so you want to find clients, that, patients that will buy, buy more, and buy more often. And to do that, you've got to create what I refer to as an avatar of your perfect customer. You need to define psychographic. Typically, you define them by psychographics or demographics. Women age 35 to 40 with income, uh, joint income of $150,000 or more, for example. But it becomes really, really cool when you go to the level of an avatar and give them an address, an address on a street that you know they live on and, and, uh, define, and, and describe the cars that are in the driveway and how many children and give the children names and the husband a name um, and their job and, and their position in that job. When you take your perfect customer and take it down to an avatar, that detail of an avatar, then you start to understand who they are and therefore where they are and how they'll respond to your marketing more effectively. Absolutely. It's not that it's not that we'll ever always be dealing only with the best clients that we want, but we want to make sure that our marketing is being heard by our preferred clientele, the ones that can do the most for us while we do brilliant work for them. Yeah. And then the, the last piece is just the geographical territory, local, regional, provincial, national, North American, global, or international, or ultimately universal, intergalactic. You know, who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows? By, you know, 2016 could be possible. So how much by when doing what for whom and what geographical location? And there's your vision statement. Within the next three years, Grow Focus 31 into a $3,475,000 management consulting company providing programs of focus and accountability to business owners from a startup to $10 million in revenue uh, in a global marketplace. Boom, done. Awesome. So that's our vision back and, statement. That's our vision. I could read it, and I appreciate it's the longest one to talk about, but it's the most important. You've got to get the top of the house, the 30,000-foot level thinking oriented, because I read that once a month mm -hmm. to get my heart pounding and saying, we're making progress. How do I get to $3,475,000? And then it's the mission statement. Is that what we would share with our people? No. Oh, okay. You, I'll, I'll say it again. Yes and no. I'll give you two examples. The mission statement answers the question, why are you doing this? What gets you up in the middle of the night stewing about important issues and then back to sleep and up again in the morning to actually go out and do the work that you're going to do? Uh, if your business is a journey, the vision statement is the destination. The mission statement are the guardrails on the highway. Those things that keep you true to your purpose. Um, Nike, uh, we all know Nike's marketing tagline is just do it. Yes. And, and they've created a couple of new ones. There's another one now called uh, Be the One. 
people, it won't, it may not surprise you. Those aren't their mission statement. Those are their marketing taglines, distinctly different. Their mission statement are internal words that they share with all their staff that get them rallied around the same way of doing business. Well, would it surprise you to know that their internal mission statement is inspire every athlete in the world? Mm. And that drives the marketing department to say, just do it. Right. Be the one. They're inspiring guys like me who may sit on the couch watching golf or baseball or football instead of going out and doing it, uh, watching it, to get up and, you know, enough's enough. Grab our, grab our tools that we have for you from Nike and go out and be the one or just do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but somebody like LensCrafters, I wear glasses. I didn't buy these from LensCrafters. And they've changed recently, but their internal mission statement was helping people see better one hour at a time. Well, if you walked into a LensCrafters store a number of years ago, that was also their marketing tagline, helping people see better one hour at a time. And so what they did was they took the client experience and the business, the corporate experience and merged it together around the same outcome. We will always have a brilliant one hour solution for you, our clients. Mm. Right. And so that's that's how, yes, sometimes you can merge the two. For me, I recommend most of my clients keep the mission because it's about why you get up and do what you're going to do or, or what you want your employees to think as they walk through the door. Uh, my, my sister-in-law worked, worked for Nike, um, and uh, I could well imagine that when she walked in the door to inspire every athlete in the world. Yeah, you feel her, it. You know, she had to inspire yeah. the sales teams at SportCheck mm-hmm. and, and any of the other uh, at national sports, wherever their products were sold. Well, she can't come in wearing her baggage, literally her backpack or the baggage from her two teenage kids. She's got to get rid of that, yep. inspire herself to inspire those that are going to sell their product to inspire the end user. And so it becomes a, a philosophy in many instances or in, within the business. For yourselves, it's just why you're getting up and doing it. And for women, it's relatively easy. But for the men that are listening, guys, I got to tell you, this is an, when, you, when you get in to this emotional space that you've never been in before and actually ask your question, why are you doing this, and come up with an answer for it, which I can help you with, it will be absolutely incredible for you. The, the power because women can do it naturally. The power for the men is even more. It's great for everybody. But men just sort of go, wow, where did that come from? And well, men don't typically tap into their feminine energy, right? No, women not. are always tapped into our feminine energy, which puts us into a whole other category of <laughs> emotional things. Yeah, now, so I just want to direct that energy <laughs> in the right directions. Now, cons- coming from uh, a woman's perspective, now I'm thinking, oh, my mission statement is going to be like five and six and seven lines long because I have all these emotions attached. What do you think about that? So what did I just say Nike's was? Inspire every athlete in the world. Mm-hmm. Helping people see better one hour at a time. Collaboration towards practical business solutions. Four to eight powerful words is all you need. If you're writing on and on and on and on again, you haven't nailed it in terms of why you're doing what you do. Take the connector words out. Make it end in an exclamation mark. Make it a, make it a picture of something. Um, be able to see it and hit it hard. And when you do that, you only need four to eight words to do it. And if you end up at 10 or 12, okay. Uh, but what I did was I wrote three or four of them. 
Uh, there's a whole process I do in, in, in my workshops. I haven't got time to explain now. Uh, but uh, those that take my offer to, to get my home study program, uh, it, it's all in the, the workbook that we're, we've created too. Uh, so it, it's an easy process, uh, but 48 words. Uh, I'm very big on being tight on absolutely every, every element of this business plan. And clear, right? It, the more succinct you are, the more clear your objectives, you're good to it, go. Absolutely, exactly. Now, I just said the word objectives, and that's kind of the next thing is I love how you define how we create now our objectives because now we've done, okay, this is what my business is about. This is why I'm doing it, but how do I now actually make that dream come true? Yeah, and and objectives, you know, you remember I said the the, the, the the three elements that lead to our demise is the idea of having of having freedom, no boss, and no measurement. Well, you know, that will lead you to your demise. Measurement is is the only way to know if you're getting anywhere. Uh, we have measurement all around us. You drive the 401 to Montreal from Toronto. There are route, there are there are mile mark uh, kilometer markers, I guess they're called now along the highway so you know you know so you can tell uh, when you break down you can tell the police or a tow truck where to find you oh, is uh, that what those are for i presume so <laughs> i just, I just came up with that off the top of my head <laughs> i i go to you know i go to a gym and i do a, a one hour um major workout and it's everything's about the the time the calorie burn uh and the number of minutes i spend with my heart rate over 85 yep. percent uh, of my max rate uh, we do measurement everywhere but we don't do measurement in our business because we made this decision that it wasn't important, that we stepped away from our corporate. Any of us that were in corporate world got so anxious about always being measured that we stepped into entrepreneurship thinking that we didn't need it anymore. And that's the fastest way to lead yourself to nowhere. You have to know where you're at in order to get to where you're going. Otherwise, you're just going to be effectively standing still. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so and the really cool thing that I do with, with, uh, with the business planning, again, making it easy. So all you need to create a single objective is a verb, a noun, and a date. Really easy. Verb, noun, and date. What do I mean? Well, the word achieve is a verb. Revenue is a noun. Date, December 31st, 2016. Typically your year, whatever your year end is. So now all I have to do for my revenue is fill in the amount. Achieve. in revenue by December 31st, 2016. One objective done. Done and dusted. Easy peasy. And what that represents now is one of the stair steps over the next three years to get to my overall vision. And you you don't just take your vision statement, divide it by three and say, I'm ready now to do one third of it because it's a learning curve. We're all familiar with the learning curve. It gets steeper as we get the learning, and so our results will improve as we learn how to market ourselves, as we learn how to organize a, a business model that can take us to the next level, as we learn about franchising, perhaps, whatever the case may be. And so typically I recommend you know, a good 50 to uh, 50% growth rate uh, for, for a new business owner to get their heart pumping and get them a little bit anxious uh, but excited about where they want to get to for the first year of the planning process. But then what I do, and I, and I won't go through all of it uh, today, but I actually get them down to, the le- to a level of marketing activity. Because at the end of the day, I know where I want to get to in revenue because that's my next stair step. But I, that's a year away. And I can, you know, I can measure myself monthly and quarterly perhaps. And maybe even measure, I may even have some idea from my cash register how well I'm doing weekly. But what I really is more powerful for people to manage is the level of marketing activity uh, to, and hold themselves accountable that. 
Because I know that, and I'll just use a simple example. If I want to make $100,000 this year and I sell a $10,000 product, then my next, um, my, my, my second uh, objective is achieve an average revenue per customer of $10,000. Okay? Now, if I only sell a $10,000 product, that's an easy one to achieve, but invariably there are you know, different packages that can make that sure. uh, a little bit more varied. Well, now I know how many closed sales I need to achieve my $100,000 in revenue. So my third target become, my third objective becomes close 10 new clients in 2016 because 100,000 divided by 10,000 is 10 new clients. Mm -hmm. right? But unfortunately, I don't close every client I meet with. I know you're brilliant at what you do, Andrea, and I'm sure everybody that walks in just wants to you know, put their visa card on the table and, and work with you for three years because uh, you're that brilliant at, at what I see you doing. For me, it takes me, because you know, business planning, I mean, imagine, you know, and this is the hardest thing for me, I'm, I get really, really excited about business planning, but nobody else is, right? <laughs> I've got, I, I not only have to sell them, but first of all, I have to convince them of the value well, the value is a long-term, you have to have long-term um, foresight to, to buy into this. Uh, but it does make a difference in my clients day in and day out. But having said that, I don't close all that well. So I have to meet with 10 people and have a sales conversation with them to get one closed sale. So if I want to make $100,000, I sell a $10,000 product. I know I need 10, cl 10 clients. But if I only sell one out of every 10, now I know I need to meet with 100 business owners before I'm going to get my 10 closed sales. Mm -hmm. 100 business owners, I only close one in 10, that's 10 new clients at $10,000 gets me my $100,000. So what we've moved from is a revenue now to a number of people I need to meet with. Well, that's really, really cool. Because now I know if I meet with one new prospect a month and I close Sorry, my apologies. I did the math back there. If I meet with uh, 52 weeks in a year, so let's say two new prospects a week, and I close one in 10, I'll get my 10 new clients. If I sell them a $10,000 pack, package of services, I get my $100,000. we have gone down to an activity level. Now I know if I meet with those, hundred, that, those, those two people a week, I'll be successful. If I don't, I won't. Yep. Or I'm increasing the probability I won't. And if I do even more, I can take the $100,000 and blow it out and end up doing two, three, four hundred thousand $400,000. It's getting down to the reality of the marketing necessary to create the $100,000 in a step-by-step -step process that really becomes eye-opening to every business owner I meet. Yeah, and I love that. And I and when I first heard this, I was thinking, okay, yeah, if I want to have my first year out be a $100,000 year and I have to do this many seminars and I close this many new patients after every seminar, then I have to do this many seminars a week or a month or whatever. And I just thought, man, that is such a simple way of breaking it down where it keeps the hustle up because you now have traction you need to be fulfilling every single week. It gives you the opportunity like, oh yeah, I forgot to book this seminar. I have to book more seminars for next month. And it, and it really does help to um, solidify your organization. And this is just seminars, right? This isn't talking mm -hmm. about new patients that walk in the door or that are word of mouth. This is just what can you do with seminars alone? And if you want that to be your um, your main goal or your main way of reaching your goal. So I just right. love that. I just love yeah. how easy you break that down and all it is is simple math. 
Yeah. And the, and the cool thing is, as I said to my daughter, as she was learning math uh, through uh, grade one to now grade seven, math doesn't lie. Once you understand the formula, all you have to do is apply the formula over and over and over again, and you'll get the outcome that you want. Or it will show you, in the case of a business owner, where you need to improve your skills. Mm -hmm. If you can't meet with enough people and be successful closing one out of every 10, then that's an immediate message to you that you need to work on your closing skills. Maybe you're not talking to the prospect very effectively to get them to do business with you. Yeah. If you need a higher if you need a higher proportion of revenue per customer, you then have to build a package of services that allows you to sell a higher level program to your patients. Um, and if you uh, uh, at the very beginning you know, at the very outset, if you can't fill your funnel with enough prospects to get ten meetings, then it's all about your marketing. You got yeah. to you got to buy leads or you have to borrow leads. Buy leads using Facebook advertising or LinkedIn advertising. Buy leads by creating joint ventures and arrangements where people will take their client base and feed it into your funnel so that people get engaged with what you have to offer them. That's the only way to, only two ways to generate new leads, buy or borrow. And then the other big thing that's coming out of this is it's forcing everyone who's listening to understand the value of tracking everything it is that you do. And I also had a um, podcast with Igor Klibanov, and he mm -hmm. has really, really ramped up his business just using presentations. And he could literally say, well, when I do this presentation to this group, I know I'm going to close this many people. When I do this presentation to this group, I close this many people. Therefore, I'm going to start to speak more to these groups because my close rate is higher because of whatever their avatar tends to be. And right. again, this just goes into the importance of tracking literally everything that you do all the time to understand where your weaknesses are. And then that's where business coaches like yourself and myself come into play and say, okay, let's either be realistic about some of these weaknesses or let's make them strengths instead of right. weaknesses and work exactly. with you to do that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, measurement is so, you know, the, 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 the evidence that measurement is real, just look at Facebook advertising. They tell you everything you need to know about what is happening with your Facebook ad. Why? Because Facebook knows measurement to you, the client, better be important. And so if it's important there, then you better be using the measurement all the way up through your business from the Facebook ad all the way to the closed sale and, and, and monitoring to your revenue on an ongoing basis. So, mm -hmm. yeah, no, absolutely true. So you gave us the adjective, the verb, and the date for our objectives. But now yeah. how do we strategize how we're going to actually make this work? Yeah, and, and strategies um, are uh, – I, I liken strategies to the foundation on a house. Um, you can't put a, a, a seven-story house – um, on a foundation intended for 2,200 square feet because, you know, Mother Nature's either going to blow it over in the kinds of winds we can get here in Ontario or wherever, wherever all your listeners are, um, or uh, in order to get, the, you know, to, to, to get the proper support for, your, for that size of a house, you have to uh, go out past your, your property line, uh, which, your, which your neighbors aren't going to appreciate, uh, with a foundation, uh, or, or the, and, and, and uh, so the, the, the idea of 
of, of, the, of the strategies is we need to build an infrastructure, a foundation for our business that's bigger than we need right now. Business owners will start, you know, so many businesses fail at the pinnacle, at the pinnacle of success. Why? Because the infrastructure wasn't built to sustain that last dollar mm -hmm. that was added on and the whole thing came collapsing down. And so what we have to do mentally is think about a business that has a foundation that is 55,000 square feet and just begin building our little business in the little first little corner, allowing ourselves to grow broader and taller without any structural damage because the foundation is in place, the foundation for marketing, the foundation for, um, uh, for hiring, the foundation for performance management, the foundation for payroll systems, the foundation for customer service, Lord thundering. Don't even get me, you know, that's my second book, of course, No Problem Is the Problem, How to Attract and Retain Raving Fans. We are so, we are as Canadians and frankly as North Americans, so satisfied with what amounts to absolute junk service as to be beyond belief. Uh, I encourage all of your listeners, the next time they go uh, to a food services, um, of course, you're all uh, uh, you know, health practitioners, so I'm sure you don't occasion uh, Taco Bell or McDonald's Never. or Burger King. Never. Yeah, right. Tell me about it. <laughs> but, you know, even for that, 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 uh, that latte at Starbucks or Tim Hortons, the just watch the conversation watch the experience between you and the people doing it with you uh if you get a teenager they're probably talking about friday night with the person next to you next to them uh and completely ignoring anything you have to say to them uh and you know the new response we have to say thank you thank you to someone who says or sorry to say you're welcome to somebody who says thank you is no problem well frankly if it's no problem give it to me for free <laughs> you know it's, it's an attitude that has just gotten right inside our core that says, yeah, customer service is no big deal. You know, there's no nowhere else for you to go and it doesn't impact me. I'm just an employee, so away you go. You know, there's just so much room for us to get better at that. And and I think for all of you as, as health practitioners, um, there's tons of room to grow uh, just off of customer service. A, a dental, uh, two dentists I know that I, or that I work with have now seven practices and they are working diligently to create not the same. They don't. They want them to be branded differently individually because they're very community oriented. But they want the experience to be identical, no matter which dental office they walk into, and not just identical, but at high level identical. And that takes a ton of work. And so strategies are about all these systems that go on in your business and how do you get them started and and uh, engage in in improving the business time and time again. Uh, and you know, typically in a five-year plan, if it's 25 pages long, 14 to 20 of those pages are in fact page upon page upon page of describing these strategies that never actually get implemented because nobody even understands all the words that were used. And so again, uh, like with everything else, making this easy and fast, a strategy is is simply a uh, uh, a. a uh, a, a very simple process. The uh, best way to do it is give you an example, okay? Because um, I work with business owners on business planning. I say you have to have a strategy for staying business planning because otherwise I can't stay your coach. And so we, we write the strategy. Um, uh, um, uh, excuse me, uh, blanking on the word that I use. Uh, perfect, perfect business planning. 
has to have a big, that's the word I was looking for. It needs to have a big, hairy, audacious goal. Okay, a BHAG. Lots of your listeners will have heard of a BHAG before. The statement starts with a big, hairy, audacious goal. Perfect business planning. Have raving fans. Uh, impeccable uh, technology. Uh, uh, those, you know, these kinds of big words in front of whatever the system is that we want to improve upon. And then all you do is identify three to four ways based on current knowledge that we can begin to implement towards the achievement of that big, hairy, audacious goal. So if I want to perfect business planning, semicolon, and this is, I'll write it for you right now, perfect business planning, semicolon, complete my first plan. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to start towards perfecting it. Comma, engage in it minimum quarterly, which means review it and and change it and fix it. Comma, measure my objectives. Comma, retain a financial plan advisor, a business plan advisor, period. Now, that one's a little self-serving, but the reality is that if you have me as your virtual CEO, and I'm not, you know, I don't refer to myself as a coach. I'm not a mentor. I'm a virtual CEO, which allows me to be a real pain in the business owner's butt sometimes because they don't want to hear what I have to share with them. But if they want to be successful, it's the accountability to me, the virtual accountability to me that makes them move forward and gets them progressing, which is really cool. And so that's a whole strategy statement. It's not pages, 100 characters. I write straight detailed. You know, be be, uh, seen, be recognized as an authority, semicolon, write a book. We both both know that one, comma, um, uh, knowledge-based marketing on on social media, comma, et cetera, et cetera. Speaker, comma, own workshops, period. There are four ways to become seen as an authority in your industry. And so we, I just target the owners on, in on what are the four to five most important critical areas of the business that need to be improved, create the big, hairy, audacious goal, and then the three, four to ways that they can start to progress towards achieving them. Easy, mm-hmm. easy and fast. My planning process. I, I, I posted on Facebook uh, back in December, I think it was, that in 27.5 minutes, I had completed the 2016 plan for Focus 31. Crazy. 27 minutes. 27 minutes, and that's going to get me to $3,475,000. I think that's time well spent. I would have to agree with you, and it sounds, and and I think everybody needs to listen to this podcast again and again because you have given such phenomenal information here that we have to take the time, go through the steps, make sure that we're doing everything as succinct as possible, and then put it into our calendar. Oh, yeah, Friday at 3, I always go back to my um, business plan and make sure that I'm executing properly, and I always go back to my objectives and review, did I make them or not? So yep. it, is, it always is going to take time, and I can definitely say that I'm guilty of not spending enough time analyzing my business and just kind of doing what I do as I do it. But I could only imagine how much money I'm leaving on the table by not focusing on my business as well as, as you've described today. Right. Cool. And here's the thing. We're, we're doing this again, aren't we? We're going to do another one. Yep. Okay. So I'm going to leave the fifth secret until then. Okay. I want, I want your listeners to come back and hear the mo- you know, at the top of the house and the bottom of the house are the two most important elements, the vision statement, and then the action plans. And we haven't talked about action plans. I'm not going to today because I want them to come back and hear the power of how to advance the business off of action plans and how easy it is and how incredibly fulfilling it will be to, to work on the important work, uh, the major few 
not the minor many uh, that we typically do in order to do anything but what we should be doing. And that means, everybody, you have four weeks to get all of this done so we can finalize it in a month from now. And I think perfect. that is a perfect way to kind of sum this up because now we have our, our um, oh my goodness, our adjective, we have our verb, we have our date, and that's what we're going to do. Start with that for the next four weeks, and then I will definitely have you back on, James. And we're going to be talking more about... Uh, vision statements, the mission statements, the strategies, the objectives, all of those things in greater detail. And I can only imagine how much more we're going to learn. Terrific. Cool. Fantastic. All righty. Thanks so much, James. Now, before we go, I almost yep. forgot this. My goodness. If people want to connect with you, if they want to um, download your book, Chaos, if they want to get that um, worksheet that you described, there it is. There's the book. Um, how is the best way for the listeners to get in touch with you? So uh, you know, I, I give my book away. Um, I don't ask anybody to pay for it, uh, but it's a downloadable version. Um, no tricks, no, no bells and whistles, simple, pure PDF uh, file. Uh, go to my website, chaosthepowerfocus.com, uh, and you will get the international best-selling book, Chaos, How Business Leaders Can Master the Power of Focus Entirely for Free. Again, chaosthepowerfocus.com. You want to connect with me? My email is really, really simple. It's james at focus31.com, james at focus3and1.com. And here, you know, uh, what I would love to do for everybody, uh, because we were, we're all so confused about social media and how we integrate social media and actually turn the activity into money, uh, to all of your listeners today, uh, if they confirm for me that they don't, send me an email, uh, put, uh, I want to talk to you in the subject line, and ask for the uh, social media 100 uh, consultation. Uh, I'll walk. You know, I'll talk to them for up to an hour on how to create, how to take their social media activity and generate revenue out of it instead of just being a waste of time. Uh, so download the book. Send me an email, jamesfocus31.com, and I'll give you a free consultation on our social media 100 plan. Awesome. And in case uh, you missed any of those links, I will have them definitely on the website, maximizedbusiness.ca in the podcast show notes. So thank you again so much, James. I'm sure people are going to hit you up as I will as well, because I can definitely always learn more from you. But I can't wait to talk to you in four weeks. And everybody that's listening is going to have their shit together by that time. Perfect. Look forward to it, Andrea. Great. Well, there you have it, folks. I hope that you, again, are going to take me up on my offer to replay this podcast and definitely leave your comments, your reviews of this podcast on the iTunes website because that helps this podcast grow and get a lot more attention. If you want to work with me and you want me to help hold you accountable with regards to your startup practice, especially when it comes to starting it up so it's successful, the first First time because I can tell you I've made a lot of mistakes definitely go to the website maximizebusiness.ca and click work with Andrea and I have a free 30-minute strategy call that you can book in with me also don't forget that this podcast is sponsored by my amazing completely 100% done for you seven-day program and you can check that out at maximizebusiness.ca forward slash the number seven day detox program. This is Andrea with the Profitable Practice Podcast and I'm out. 
You guys are killer. Thank you as always for listening to the Profitable Practice Podcast. Leave me a comment and if you haven't already, I would love a review in iTunes. Definitely subscribe to this podcast and leave me a quick review. For those ready to maximize your practice, contact me at www.maximizedbusiness.ca.